Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see everybody. Um, I do love preaching. I do get nervous, though. <laughs> so um, it's great to stand up here with you all this morning. It's great to worship with you all. And uh, God is here this morning. Right. As you know, we're in a, a series on Elijah, and I'm going to speak to you this morning about from one voice to another. Uh, everybody say voice. voice. There you are, good voice this morning. So we're going to be talking about voice, um, and we're going to be looking at this, um, this passage in Kings 19, uh, 15 to 21. But before we do, I just want to recap um, on the preachers that have gone before. So we've had a four-part series. I'm the final one. I'm, I'm finishing up. Um, and uh, as you know, uh, Nick started us off, and um, he preached uh, on death to life, and that was at the beginning of Kings, uh, was seventh, chapter 17, verse 1. Um, and if you remember that, uh, one, of the, one of the points he made was about um, Elijah prophesying to the king uh, Ahab and saying no rain will ha- no rain will come until he said so, and there was real bravery there, wasn't there, from Elijah to stand up in front of that king who just randomly killed people all the time and just said, uh, "There's going to be no rain until I say," and uh, and then to walk off the stage and leave uh, leave like that. So a really brave prophet, isn't he, Elijah? And then Ethan preached uh, from he- from fear to hope. Uh, and there we see, again, bravery from Elijah. He was laughing at the prophets of Baal around that sacrifice that happened, wasn't he? And um, a, a brave man. Uh, and, uh, and then Helen preached, and, and that was on from mountain to valley. And then we see where Elijah needed looking after by God. Um, and God did look after him. And, and Helen brought those three points about God, which was loving. Our God is loving and compassionate. Our God gives hope and practical instruction, and God pursues me relentlessly. There's an energy drink, isn't there, called Relentless? Maybe you've had some, maybe you haven't. When you drink it next time, think of God pursuing us relentlessly. He doesn't need an energy drink. Um, he has all the energy. And something that was, was in this as well is that, that uh, verse in James 5.17, that Elijah was a man like us. And that sort of levels it for me, because I think Elijah out there, brave, standing up to prophets, standing up to kings, um, and I've got to keep reminding myself that, that he's a man like me. And, and that's interesting that James would do that, would, would say that in, in his book, in the New Testament, that he would single out Elijah. So maybe Elijah was held as this amazing prophet that did all this amazing stuff. And maybe James needed to remind us that he was actually a man like us. Yeah, he, he, and, and that means that we can be like Elijah. Yeah, so, so let's just keep that in mind as we go through the, um, what I'm going to speak about now. Um, that this, this could be us. 
Yeah? This, this brave man, this man who's helped by God, could be us. So let's read the passage in 1 Kings 19, 15 to 21. I'm reading from the message version. The message version takes a few of the these and nows out and, and makes it a bit simpler to understand and, and presents a bit of context. So if you haven't got the message version, you might have it on your tablet or your device, but I have put it on the, on the screen as well for you to follow in the message version. So let's, let's read. And God said, stand by when God says, yeah? Go back the way you came through the desert to Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, make him king over Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, make him king over Israel. Finally, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahula, to succeed you as prophet. Anyone who escapes death by Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and anyone who escapes death by Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Meanwhile, I'm preserving myself 7,000 souls, the, the knees that haven't bowed to the god Baal, the mouths they haven't kissed his image. That's a, that's a big statement, isn't it? God said that. I wouldn't like that in an email if I'm a prophet and I've got to do something about that. I wouldn't like it in a phone call. I wouldn't like it in a text. That is what God started off by saying. It overlaps a little bit with what uh, Helen spoke about last week. She touched on this, and now we're, we're overlapping and we're, we're getting to grips with, with what happens here at the, uh, at the end of Kings. Let's read on. Elijah went straight out and found Elisha. Interestingly, he didn't do the other stuff first. He went to straight out and found Elisha. And found Elisha, son of Shaphat, in a field where there were 12 pairs of yoked oxen at work plowing. Elisha was in charge of this 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak over him. Elisha deserted the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I'll follow you. Go ahead, said Elijah, but don't mind you. Sorry, but mind you, don't forget what I've just done to you. Because what he'd done was anoint him. Yeah? Don't forget what I've just done to you. So Elisha left, he took his yoke of oxen and butchered them. He made a fire with the plow and tackle and then boiled the meat, a true farewell meal for the family. Then he left and followed Elijah, becoming his right-hand man. And what we see there is a handover. Yeah? We see somebody handing over the work that he'd been carrying out. He'd fulfilled his calling. Elijah was coming to the end of his calling and he was handing it over to a new prophet called Elisha. And that's quite a short bit of the Bible, so I just want to dig into that a bit and see what's going on here. Um, just on, turn, on, on handing things over, it's like a baton. You know, in the race, we watch the Olympics, we love the, 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 the races, don't we? When someone hands that baton over and it has to be received properly, and it's that sort of thing we're talking about this morning, is that handover. When I took over the leadership of the Vine, uh, there's a great couple in our church called Graham and Elizabeth, and, uh, and Elizabeth ran the Vine before me, and she invited everybody round to her house to a handover meeting. And she made a baton <laughs> out of a rolling pin. <laughs> and she put tin foil around it. And she made a big thing about handing it over to me. And I thought that was a bit weird. It was like, mm, why are we doing this? Just, just put it in a message or something. Jeremy's taking over. Crack on. But she made a big thing about the handover. And, 
And actually, now I get it. This was her calling. This was a big thing for her. She didn't want it to be received lightly. She didn't want me to just do it maybe a little bit diluted. She wanted to hand it over properly. Here you are. This is now yours. And that, that's what I'm talking about with this handover happening. So let's look at this story. Twelve yoke of oxen and a cloak. So there's some pictures there and an artist's impression of Elijah handing over to Elisha. And we see 12 yoke of oxen. This is quite an in industrious scene that Elijah goes to. It's, a, it's farmland, isn't it? Oxen were used to plow the field, and a yoke of oxen is two oxen. So in this field, there's 12 yokes of oxen all working away, plowing a field. So we reckon it's a big field. We reckon there's quite a lot going on. There's servants with, e with these, each of these yoke of oxen. There's probably lots of dust created. It's a farm situation, and, and, and all of this stuff is happening. And Elijah just goes straight up to this guy and puts his cloak around him. There's not much narrative here. There's not many words being spoken. And also, what happens is, if, you, if we read this, Elijah went straight out. Now, if you've ever heard from God or you think God's telling you something, do you go and do it straight away? Or do you leave it for a few days? Well, oh, I'll just pray on that and I'll ask somebody else and I'll ask someone else's opinion. No, he got up and he went straight away. After this quite scary message from God, who's pretty angry by the sounds of it, he, he goes down to this field and he finds Elisha. And... and and it's great that God does this, isn't it, in, in, in this sort of picture, in a farm situation, in, in a field where lots of activity going on. These are normal people doing normal jobs. And this is what I mean. Elijah was just like me. And Elisha seems to be quite well off. He's in, he's in a farm. He's actually running the 12th yoke of oxen, which means he's a leader. And he probably was part of a family that owned all this land. So he probably had quite a nice life. And, and he, he just dropped what he was doing and followed Elijah. In a very scary time, a very scary situation, he, he took on what Elijah did just by that cloak being transferred and chased after Elijah. So, fascinating scene. And this cloak is quite interesting because if you read on, the cloak get used, that's the first thing that Elisha uses um, as part of what he's doing. If you read on into 2 Kings, which is the next chapter on, Elisha actually takes that cloak and he strikes a, a river with it and walks through the river. Now that's crazy as well, it's, it, it's a fascinating story and, and why would he do it and, and that type of thing. Was he testing God? Did he have this new... Uh, bit of kit that he was going to go right here we go I've got this cloak let's see what happens it's like one of those adventure games role play whatever we call it yeah pick up the cloak hold on to the cloak and then next in the next game I'm going to use it to walk through the water so the cloak is really important and it's really interesting isn't it how how Elisha grabs hold of that cloak and looks after it and and uh, and, and uses it as as he goes on it's uh Again, one of those symbols, like that baton handed over. I'm going to hold on to that. And, and I've still got that baton that Elizabeth gave me. And, uh, and, and I look at it, and, and I, I know what's going on. So we have those symbols, don't we? Um, so it brings me to my, my points that I have about this, about this passage. Um, and what's ha what stands out to me in this handover 
is Elijah's heart. And the first point is Elijah had a big heart. Now, the transfer was the voice. They were prophets. The prophet was speaking. He spoke to kings. He spoke to other people. That was the transfer. That's what was transferred over. But Elisha, uh, sorry, Elijah had to be a certain type of person to do what he did. And, and what I see in Elijah was his heart. And, and I think he had a very special heart. And I think as well, what James is saying is that we've, always, we've all got a heart like that. Now, I didn't really realize what my heart was about until I was in my 20s. And I went to a, a, a conference, and, the, and I was, there was a preach about a man's heart. And up to that point, I just thought blokes were blokes, and we just did bloke things. And I never realized that my heart was actually... A, not just a thing that pumped blood around the body, it was something that connected on a spiritual level. And, and the, the guy who was speaking described it like, when, when you watch a film, you might get a bit upset. You might, you might cry about something, or, or you miss somebody, and your heart feels a little bit like it's hurting. We talk about heartbroken, don't we? And, and the heart, that started to, I started to understand what my heart was about. So many blokes, I think, and, and women as well, don't really realize what their heart is and what it does and what the effect it can have. And when you have a soft heart, and when you open your heart to what God wants you to do, it's amazing the stuff that happens. And from that point, my life changed when I realized about my heart. And because I then, it was like a physical, I could open my heart. I decided I was going to open my heart to stuff. God started to do stuff in me because my heart was open. And I want to encourage you to do that. It's, it's not easy. It hurts. Because sometimes we like, we're hard-hearted. We, we don't want to look at that because that's sensitive or that's going to make me upset. I'll keep away from it. But if I, if I soften my heart to something, I see different things through it. And... And it's important for us to get in touch with our hearts. And that's what I see in Elijah. He, he was a man like us. And we can all be, we can all have this heart. He was a brave man. We've said that. We've, we've, we've heard these preachers. He was brave. See, you can be a man with a soft heart and be brave. You can be strong. You can be courageous. That's what men want to be, isn't it? But we can also have a heart that, that follows God. And we've got these verses from the Bible, Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. God knows the way to us is through our hearts, and we need to guard our hearts um, from, from sin, from the enemy, uh, because what flows from us uh, flows from our hearts. Philippians 4, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God helps us guard our hearts. There's a, there's a lovely truth there, isn't there? It's not just up to us to guard our hearts. God will do it. And when we pray to him, we can fill in those gaps where our heart's under attack. So we've, we have those moments, don't we? Maybe it, it, when we're in bed on our own or we're, 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 
we're struggling with something, sin, when, uh, when we can feel our heart hardening, when we can feel ourselves doing something that we didn't want to do, that's when we pray. That's when we contact God and say, help me through this time right now. That's, I'm in a battle now. I'm in a fight, and I need your help to guard my heart, Lord. We should focus on the condition of our hearts. What's my, what, how healthy is my heart? Is it, is it a, in a soft condition? Is it, do, I, do I respond to situations? Is, is God speaking to me? Or is my heart hard? Is my heart hard to that thing, to that person, to that place? Do I, do I have a problem with that? And, and God will help us through that as well with our hearts. So when we think of Elijah, we should think about his heart. My next point is that my voice is powerful when it is Jesus' voice. And it follows on from that heart, doesn't it? We've all been in situations where we've said the wrong thing, maybe an argument, maybe a, maybe a falling out, and we open our mouth and we say something, and afterwards we think, that was probably the turning point of that going from really bad to really bad, really, really bad. Because our voices are powerful. Our, our tongues, what we say, is very powerful. And we need to be Jesus in, in all of those situations. So when my voice is like Jesus' voice, then it is powerful. And when it isn't, that's the enemy. That's from the enemy. We've all said things we regretted afterwards. Maybe we've had to go back and apologize to somebody. But we need to learn from that. We need to learn and follow what Jesus says, tells us to do, what Jesus writes in the Bible, what he says in the Bible, and, and follow um, and say the things that he says. We have this verse in Luke 6. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by his own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And also I think there's a lesson here in Elijah. Is that he doesn't say very much during this process. And that's a lesson to us as well. Keep our mouth shut sometimes. He walks up to a field. He finds Elisha. He puts a cloak on him. He walks out. It's up to Elisha then what happens. He didn't have to explain, this is the big picture. This is the job. Here's the CV. This is the salary. <laughs> this, is, this is what's going to happen. He just walked up, put a cloak on him, and walked off. And, and Elisha then, it's his response. It's up to him what he does with that baton, with that handover at that time. Um, and and that, that is also a powerful thing about your voice, knowing when not to use your voice. So my last point is, brings us into land. There's a quite, quite a bit to it. My voice is my legacy. Legacy, you can think of legacy in lots of different ways. Legacy is something that we leave behind for other people. It's what we hand over to other people. We think of legacy, we think of people who've gone on and uh, that we know who've, who've died now. They've left a legacy that we can that, that is either a good legacy or it, or it could be a bad legacy. Um, 
there was a definite legacy to what Elijah was handing over to Elisha. Elijah was leaving a legacy for, for people to, to remember him. We read about him now, don't we, in the Bible? For some reason, he got into the Bible because he is this great prophet. And so he, he leaves this legacy. Um, and, and we need to remember that we're building a legacy in everything we do. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, you're building a legacy. And people, people hand things over as, as part of a legacy, don't they? Um, and um, so I've got a bit of a story that, that kind of covers legacy. Um, God always does something for me when I preach. And, uh, and I've, so I've got a story now. So, um, so many of you know my son, Wilf. Wilf's 21. Um, he lives in Newark. Um, he's a Christian. He doesn't go to church at the moment. Um, but he's pretty cool. Wilf is pretty cool. He's pretty sorted. He doesn't say much. He, uh, he's just quite quiet. But he's, he's, he's pretty cool. And you never really get to know what's going on. And he rang me yesterday morning at 7 a.m. And when you... When, when you Kids ring you at an early hour on a Saturday. You think, oh, no, what's going on? And, uh, and I thought he'd either, like, misdialed or, he'd, he'd, you know, when you have your phone in your pocket and you'd sit on it and it rings someone. So, but I got up and he woke me up. And I got up and went downstairs and rang him back. I said, are you all right? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, sorry, did I wake you up? I said, yeah, 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 don't worry. What's, what's up? And then he, he was quite quiet. He said, I don't know how to say this, Dad. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I need, to, I need to talk to you about it. I said, okay, come on. What's going on? <laughs> he said, whenever I see a homeless person, I get really upset and I need to help them. And, <laughs> and I'm preaching on legacy <laughs> today. <laughs> and... And he, he'd been with a homeless bloke all night in McDonald's, just chatting to him. And he's, you could say, looking at Wilf, he's quite hard-hearted. But something in his heart that responds to that. And, and that's, that's great for so many reasons. Because we pray for people, don't we? And I believe every human being has something in their heart that God wants them to do. And they can't, they can't get away from it. He would love not to have that happen. He would love not to be able, not to walk past the doorway and see a sleeping bag and be really upset about it. But he is. And that's his heart. And I, I was able to tell him about his heart and talk to him about his heart and say, this is in your heart. And he says, it must be God, Dad. And it is. It is God. But that's why I put that up there. People need a reason to come to church. It's not like a shop, is it? You don't, you don't come to church because you're just sort of shopping and you're passing and it's a nice-looking window. You come to church because there's something in your heart that you need to do something about. And this was Elijah, and that was the handover to Elisha. And 
you get a different understanding of people because of what, what's in their heart. And we need to be honest about what's in our heart because if we're hard-hearted, we're compressing that, whatever's in our heart. and We're not following through what God wants us to do. And church needs to respond to that. We need resources for people to use what's in their hearts. And this is a great church. We've got lots of ministries for people to help out. But please, search your heart. So what's, what's God telling you? What makes you cry? What makes you stand in the street and say, that's not right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and God works in people in different ways. And um, and that's such a beautiful thing as well when you when your kids come to you with that and they 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 want to do something, and uh, and he'll come back to church, but he doesn't want to go to church for what well, he said. He said, um, "I don't want to offend you, Dad, but all that religious stuff." <laughs> He doesn't want to go to church for that. He'll go to a church if there's a homeless ministry because he wants to help people, and he gets that. So no one is beyond redemption, and nowhere is beyond redemption either. Let's remember that as well. There's places that aren't beyond redemption. We shouldn't think of that place. That's, there's nothing going to happen good in that place. Look at Orford. Orford is one of the worst, uh, uh, one of the most poverty places in the country, and there's, there's that church there, there's that community grocery there, there's so much good stuff going on in Orford, and we're blessing Orford, aren't we, by the action that's happening there. So just bringing this back to Elijah and Elisha and what happened through, through that was that you had all these kings, bad kings, good kings, you had the kings that were in Judah, and you had the kings of Israel, and they were, some of them were bad and some of them were good. And the prophets kept telling them, you need to do this and you need to do that. And then when you get after kings, after all these kings, there was this huge area of a, a, a period of time where God just wasn't in any more of, of, that, of that land in Israel. And Israel became, uh, it, it got taken over. It got invaded and it became Samaria. And, um, and, and what we see is God working through that chaos. If you look at the kings, it's chaos. There's good kings and bad kings and killing and, and loving and all of this stuff going on. But God, God's got a plan through all of that. And there was this period of time, about 750 years, where, where nothing really happened in the kingdom of Israel. It got taken over and became Samaria. But then, as we follow that through, and we see in John chapter 4, we learn about this Samaritan woman. And we hear about Samaritans, don't we? And they, they're kind of outcasts to the very special Jews. And, um, and, and so we hear about the Samaritans. We hear the parable of the Samaritan. And Jesus taught that parable because he wanted people to think, oh, Samaritans, we don't like them. And now we see Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman um, at the well. So if you've got your Bibles, you just turn to John 4. And it's broken down into a few bits here. So we've got John 4, 4 to 7, which is now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, 
And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And then we jump into 28 and 30. 28 to 30. And then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. And then the final bit there, 39 to 42. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Because of his words, many became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. So for all that chaos and the, the, the prophets and the, the coming and going and the 750 years of, of, of emptiness and, and nothing happening, then we see Jesus come into, come into the scene and, and to speak to this Samaritan woman and to, and to start changing the lives of the Samaritans. And that's what Jesus does, isn't it? Because he's God, he, he's in control of everything all the way through. And we might think it's chaotic at the moment. We, we watch the news and bad stuff's happening. And every time they want to tell us this is, this is a, a, a disaster that's happening. We can't afford this and we can't afford that. We have to stand up and we have to be brave through this situation because we know God's got a plan. We know that because we believe in Jesus, he's got a plan through all of this. It's not, it's, we don't know what that plan is, but we know that in the past he's plotted that all out. And he is there, and he will save people. So I'm gonna, that's really what I wanted to say this morning. We've spoken about voice. We've spoken about heart. And we've spoken about Jesus saving. So if you just bow your heads, let's close our eyes, and let's give this to Jesus. Father, just thank you for this morning. And you do bless us, Lord. And I just want to appeal to anybody now, if something that I've said has resonated in your heart, because that's what we've been talking about, just want you to stand to your feet and give this to, give this to Jesus right now. Because, because there's stuff in our hearts that we need to deal with and we need to, we need to draw close to Jesus with this. So if you just want to stand to your feet as a, as a symbol of, 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 of acting with something in your heart, then we'll pray this through. Maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus. Maybe you're not a Christian and you want to become a Christian right now. And we'll, we'll pray that right now. And maybe there's something in your heart that you need to follow through and you want Jesus to help you with. Uh, because you know he's in control and you know he's got a plan over your life. And if you don't do something about it now, it's just going to keep hurting. <laughs> So, Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for teaching us so much. We do thank you for our hearts. We don't really understand it. It's just amazing. And we thank you for what you've put in our hearts. Pray that we would do everything we can to follow your plans. And I pray that for somebody who isn't a Christian here today, as they speak to you right now, Jesus we ask forgiveness for our sins. Change us, Jesus, right now. We follow your ways. We love you. If you're recommitting to Jesus right now, 
He'll have your back. He pursues you relentlessly. And we pray for what you've put in our hearts, Lord. That you would, you would carry on doing that. You'd carry on blessing us. And that we would find people around us that would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.